Hey, welcome to the podcast of C3 Los Angeles. I'm Jake Sweetman, and together with my wife, Nicole, we lead this church. We're glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're tuning in from, that you are encouraged and strengthened by this word. Here's today's message. Hey, well, um, I want to start by just posing a quick question as we jump into this new series. Um, Anyone here ever find it hard to wait on others? I'm hearing some yeses. Okay, yes. Like when what you are wanting to do is fully dependent on the timeliness of another person, you wouldn't say that you're impatient. You're just timely, right? You like to be on time. For example, if you log into a Zoom meeting and you get the prompt that says, host waiting to let you in or whatever that is, you you begin to like shift with just a bit of agitation in your seat, like seriously, the host is like not even here and I'm waiting on the host. You know, not to stereotype or anything, but for our uh, couples here, you know, if I were to ask you gentlemen who is usually waiting on the other person the longest, I think we all know, yes, I'm, oh, really? Okay, Jolene, not to call out Jason or anything. (laughs) No, but generally, you know, it's, you know, men, we're waiting on the girls. Have you ever really stopped to think about, guys, the amount of time you're going to spend over the course of your entire life waiting for your spouse to get ready? (laughs) You know, I saw a survey recently that said that, guys, you are going to spend three weeks, that's a total of 24 days, waiting on your spouse to just finish shopping. So that's why there's a comfortable chair next to the fitting room for you, because you're going to spend 24 days of your life sitting there while she decides what she wants to buy. Okay, Um, that's why girls, you know, when we go to the store, we want to take our time, peruse the aisles. We think of six other things we need. If I'm short on time, I know I'm sending in Jake. He is in and out. He sticks to the plan. He does not deter from the list unless he can't find it. And I know he is the most efficient. In fact, I've had to start setting for myself a target timer on my phone. That is not an app, but if you'd like to go create one, by all means, take the idea. But I have to set a a target timer on my phone so I do not have my children waiting for me at the school car line, right, to go pick them up. So, gentlemen, if you are are married and you also have children, you understand that your time of waiting has just compounded even more. Because you're not even just waiting on your wife to get her things together, but you're waiting on her to prep and collect everything for the children. Every time we go on a family outing, without fail, Jake is sitting in the car behind the steering wheel. My kids are strapped into the car seats, sitting in the garage, waiting, waiting for mom. I saw an IG post recently, and it said, do you ever wonder what mom is doing inside the house while you were sitting in the garage waiting for her to leave? Everything. She is doing everything. She is turning off the lights. She's unplugging the iron. She's blowing out the candle. She's locking the front door. She's turning off the stove and she is filling the backpacks with snacks. If it wasn't for us, we would come home to a ransacked, burnt down house with hangry children. We have become professional hustlers. We know how to squeeze out the most efficient productivity out of the tiniest amount of time. Why? Because there's a ticking time bomb waiting for us in the garage. So needless to say, waiting is sometimes not always a bad thing, right? And just because you're waiting on someone doesn't mean that they're being lackadaisical on the other side. We can all agree that waiting doesn't have to lead to a lack of productivity, 
And if we're honest, all of us are waiting in some form or fashion. Whether we have chosen to put something on the shelf, whether we feel stuck or put on pause, we all have something in our lives that we could say we're waiting on God for, yeah? And this is where we have to be careful that when we're waiting on God, that it does not turn into idleness. There's a difference between Isaiah 40, 31, waiting on the Lord to renew their strength. That refers to us being connected to God, to worshiping in his presence, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak and to guide us and to constantly move us forward. And then there's the waiting on the God in our heads where we've crossed our arms, dug our feet in, and waiting for him to drop me a pin or a sign on where to go and what to do next. And that's why I'm really enjoying this series, Wise Up, because it started with this key verse, Proverbs 4, 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. And so our waiting seasons or whatever waiting area you have in your life right now, we are instructed to actively wait by seeking and applying godly wisdom. So despite your personal wish list boxes not getting ticked off when you want, as you want them to, you can still progress through life here today. You can still remain purposeful. You can be planted and in the process of bearing fruit and being effective in the hand of the Lord in accordance to his plan for your life. But it's in these moments we really have to fight off the tendency to just sit and allow things to begin to dull and to decay in our waiting. I mean, think about waiting in line at the bank or the amount of time you spent, for example, waiting in line just to get into the grocery store during COVID. It is the most mind-numbing, most frustrating, waste of time feeling we could ever hold. And if you expand that across real life waiting seasons, like waiting for a financial breakthrough, waiting on a relationship, waiting for a career breakthrough, we can see that if we do not remain diligent in these times of waiting, we will quickly become idle. And this weighs us down and causes us to miss out on what God is wanting to work inside of us while we're waiting for things to work out. We will find ourselves coming to a creep coming to a slow halt, and now it is no longer us waiting on God, it is now God waiting on us to wake up, to shake things up, to start moving, to start actioning and using what he has made available to us already. So instead of being the diligent, actively waiting servant, we find ourselves approaching life a little bit like this with God. So I have an illustration for you if you want to turn your eyes quickly to the screens. Well, I was hoping you could run a play for us. We are in a really big hurry. Sure. What's the plate? Two nine. T Number. Two nine T H D zero three. Two nine T H D zero three. T H D zero three. H D zero three. D. Mm -hmm. Zero three. Zero. Three. Hey, Flash, want to hear a joke? No! 
Sure. Mm. Okay. What do you call a three-humped camel? I don't know. What do you call a three-humped camel? Three-humped camel. Pregnant. <laughs> Ah, uh, 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 ah, <laughs> yes, uh, very funny, very funny. Can we please just focus on the text? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Priscilla. Oh, no. Yes. Flash. What <gasps> do no. you call a three-humped camel? Pregnant. Okay, great, we got it. Please, pumped. <laughs> okay. Anyone Zootopia fans out there? Thank you. Okay, so I am not saying that God is an anxious bunny rabbit up in heaven trying to get us to quickly action things down here on earth, but it's a funny illustration to maybe take a self-reflective moment and assess where have we maybe become a little sloth-like in our approach towards God? Where have we become easily distracted, like our friend? And where have we become slow to move on what he is calling us to faithfully action, even if it doesn't necessarily align with our desire in the moment? Proverbs 12.24, this is the Proverbs we're going to be talking around here today. The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. In other words, the diligent rises to the top, and the lazy, they sink to the bottom, and diligence means to be steady, to be earnest, to be persistent. It also means to be devoted and painstaking work. Isn't that exciting? See, from a kingdom perspective, diligence is more just, it's more than just putting your head down and working really hard in life to get ahead. But in the kingdom, diligence is crucial, especially when our hearts feel put on hold by some unfulfilled desire in our lives. And see, when we are diligent, we make sure not to squander what God has faithfully put in our hands to steward. And without it, we will begin to lose sight of what we have or what we have to work with. And diligence gives us that proper perspective to see what God has put in our hands, even while we wait. So like I said, everyone here right now, we have something that we're waiting for. Whether it's some external, you know, box you want to check or achieve, or maybe it's something internal. Maybe it's a question you've been asking God and you're waiting on a response. Maybe it's a breakthrough that you need, forgiveness, healing you want to receive. And here's the good news. That in Christ, you are already ruling. Ephesians 2.6 tells us that God raised us up with him, being Jesus, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are already ruling. See, your identity has been settled in Christ. Your security of where you sit has been secured in Christ. And so we don't have to approach ruling in life as something we have to earn, but rather it's something that we've already been given. So diligence should be a revelation that comes from that posture. 
if we want to operate in this gift of being seated at the right hand of the Father to work out his redemptive plan by the power that Jesus has given us, not a slave to every human desire that hangs us up and holds us up, then we have to combat this human nature to become sloth-like towards him. And we have to apply biblical wisdom of diligence. So I'm going to talk to you here this morning how to wait well, be a ruler, not a sloth. Be a ruler, not a sloth. Let's pray one more time. God, I thank you for this auditorium. I thank you for this uh, gathering. I thank you for every son and daughter in this place. And God, I pray that as my voice goes out, that it will be your words that pierce the hearts of every son and daughter, that this will be a fruitful time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so diligence is a word that I feel like God gave me at the beginning of the year. Um, I had a friend recently, and she goes, did God give you a word for 2022? And I was like, uh-huh. She's like, well, can I know what it is? And I was like, well, let me just, you know, warn you. I'm, I, I didn't get the sexy word, okay? Like, I got endurance last year. I got diligence this year. I'm like, why can't I be Natalie, our creative director, who's like on her IG? She's like, God gave me the word, new horizons. I'm like, diligence, diligence. Um, But when he gave me that word, he also gave me this verse. And really, I want this to paint a picture in your heads when I read it to you. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God created you. He is proud of you. He likes what he made. You are his workmanship. And he has created you for good things. Some of us need to hear that this morning. And he has already set up those good things beforehand. That should be building some faith and confidence right now, even if you feel stuck. There are good things set before you that God wants you to walk in. See, I know when God uh, spoke to me this word diligence, it wasn't just for me, but it was for this church. Because God has an agenda for C3LA and C3 Nashville in 2022. And Jake and I are believing it will be a year of overflow for us. We know that we have been digging deep wells through discipling by sowing, like Pastor Joe was talking about, diligently into the hearts and minds of the people he has brought into this house. But we know that, that, that we are going to overflow, that there's going to be living water that pours out in this community and into the neighborhoods surrounding us. But we have to be faithful stewards that are diligent with each and every person that he brings to us and what he's already deposited within us, even if you feel put on hold here today. And so I just, again, I I do want to be practical. I want to give you three areas where you need to apply diligence. Every time when you wake up in the morning, whether you have a regular prayer time with God or not, I want you to just take a moment and ask him, God, where am I looking? What am I putting on? And what am I holding on to? Just give a moment with God. That's what we're going to talk about. Three areas to be diligent. Where you are looking. What am I putting on? And what am I holding on to? So the first area of where you need to be diligent is where you look. Where you look. You must look forward. Every day when you wake up, you're choosing to look ahead into your present today. 
See, in Luke 9, we find an account where there's these different individuals coming up to Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, I want to follow you. And they are confronted in that moment that they have to choose to follow him without an excuse, without a delay, and without looking back. In fact, the final guy that comes up to Jesus says, Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first, let me just first say farewell to those at home. Now, that seems like a reasonable excuse. And Jesus says to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. And so the implications of Luke's writing here is that these people who came to Jesus with the desire to follow him, but the excuses kept them from actually doing so. I just, I find it interesting that these individuals were so quick to trust God with their entire future, but they struggled to trust God in this present moment. See, diligence in the biblical translation means to cut, to sharpen, and it leads to acting decisively. Some of us need to get a decisive spirit on the inside of us, and you will see that waiting season get shortened because diligence cuts through the reluctance, and and we are able to break away from an old way of thinking and look ahead to the good works that God sets before you each and every day. So are we like those in Luke? Are we saying, God, I can get on board with this big idea that they tell me at church that God has a plan for my life. Ooh, I like the sound of that. But I'm struggling to kind of see the purpose in this little moment right here. Like, God, you can have my life. But when the message of the tithe comes and Pastor Joe preaches out his heart about what it does for us, we're kind of like, I'm just waiting on that promotion. I promise I'm going to get to that. I'm just, I'm just waiting on that one thing. Or God, you can have my life, but these 20 other things come first before I give you my maybe 10 minutes of prayer in the morning. No one who looks back is fit for the kingdom. Why? Because if I'm looking back, I fail to see the urgency of kingdom matters that are ahead of me. Like every firefighter understands the urgency attached to their role, right? But as Jesus followers, I think we have failed to understand that there is an urgency attached to our calling to follow him. Like, I don't want a slothful EMT. When I dial 911, I want to know they are ready and active and quick to respond. Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is ripe. The laborers are few. Proverbs 10.4 says, sloth makes you poor. Diligence brings wealth. Are we robbing or adding to the kingdom of God? Meaning, will you be slow to respond to the urgent matters, the ripe harvest that is ahead? Or are we stuck looking behind? Will we be diligent to see the ones, to see the opportunities, the open doors to engage and to get ready for what God is doing? Now, fun fact you're going to learn. You're going to learn some fun facts here, too. Who likes fun facts? I love fun facts. Okay, fun fact number one you're going to learn this morning is that sloths are blind. Did you know that? They can't see. I know. Sloths are blind. And so, to me, I just want to talk a bit about when you're stuck looking behind, as like a sloth, you will become blind to the possibility of your today. 
you will be so stuck, whether it's in the bad of the past or in the, the memorialized past you've created, that you are blind to the potential and possibility of your today. See, there's many times where we have crossed God's hand saying he can't do any better. I can't, I'll never find a job like that one that I had. I'll never get another boyfriend like the one that I had. I'm never going to find that friend that can fill that space that moved across the country this past year. And we are closing his hands to possibility. And we are lowering our eyes to what God is setting before us. See, diligence opens up our view of opportunity. And it allows us to see every day as purposeful. Now, if, if a sloth makes you um, unable, blind to see potential, it also will cause you to become very directionless, right? If you can't see. Like, I can't drive a car forward if I'm looking in my rearview mirror. That will not be productive. And so like that, if yesterday is preventing you from navigating today clearly, you will find yourself becoming ineffective. You will find yourself becoming easily distracted. You will find yourself um, being indecisive because you can't see where to go and you're hearing every little sound bite that the world offers you. You can't navigate through your today properly. And eventually that becomes destructive. It becomes destructive. It's a little bit like riding in the car with Jake when he's having an ADD moment. <laughs> Just a few weeks ago, we had the family in the car. We're driving back home from South Bay, so we're driving through downtown. And in my um, corner of my eye, I see my husband. And I can tell the thoughts in his mind are getting further and further away. But the taillights in front of us are getting closer and closer. <laughs> and so I have to allow my wifely, motherly voice rear up and be like, break, 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 break. And he slams on the brakes, and he sheepishly looks at me. And I've been married to him long enough to know not to scold him. And I just say, where did you just go then? Where did you go just then? And that's what happens if we become distracted by what has happened, what has occurred, and we can't look ahead to be diligent. We will not just find ourselves being destructive to ourselves, but to those around us. I mean, think about it. If I have my hand on a plow, and it's like being led by really strong oxen, okay, and I'm looking behind me, I'm not going to be very, like, helpful in plowing that field. I'm going to destroy the field, and I'm probably going to fall on the ground and get destroyed myself, okay? And so we need to ensure we have someone next to us, like me, next to Jake, that is like, wake up! Like, notice where you're going. The taillights are about to crash in, and that's why we need to have kingdom friendships. You need to find yourself in a group. Let me be clear. When you get yourself in a neighborhood group, you will find yourself surrounded by people who are growing and maturing in the same direction as you are in Christ Jesus and they will help when you start to become a little sloth like because we all do we all like to nap on life sometimes they will shake you and wake you up so that you don't go into a life collision let's be diligent rulers right let's not let yesterday blind us from what is ahead point number two thank you Point number two, we need to be diligent on what we put on, okay? I know we all took time today to think about what we put on this morning. If we can be diligent to take that same amount of time and just go, God, what am I wearing spiritually today? This is what Ephesians 4.22 says. 
Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. See, the Bible is so clear on what we put off or purge and what we are told to put on. And so when you wake up tomorrow morning, you need to think, God, what old garments, what debris from yesterday am I carrying into my today that is going to prevent me, that's going to slow me down from doing what you need me to do today. See, a slothful spirit tends to hold on to that old nature. It's slow to purge the debris of yesterday. And this brings me to our fun fact number two about sloths. You ready? Sloths fur or hair, it like splits, it cracks, and it can, it has become the perfect ecosystem, ecosystem of bugs. In fact, there are species of bugs that are only found in a sloth's fur. For example, the sloth moth. So that cute little thing hanging upside down that you want to pet literally has hundreds and hundreds of bugs living in it. Okay? I know, gross. But this is where we must be diligent And we have to take an assessment with the Holy Spirit. What gnarly ecosystems of old self have we allowed to get cozy up and make a home in our minds? Listen, you can rule while you wait, but you have to be diligent to daily purge in your waiting season. See, a slothful spirit is a hoarder. Oh, they like to hold on to things. They are slow to process, and they procrastinate to purge. At the beginning of this year, when God spoke to me about diligence, he asked me this question. He said, Nicole, what mindsets do you need to purge so that you can step into what I need you to accomplish this year? And I was like, wow, that's confronting. Let me think about that one, Jesus. You know, and I'm like going through and I'm, I'm doing like a little like excavation of what I've been holding on to, what I've been hoarding. Is it judgment? Is it unforgiveness? Is it hope deferred moments? Is it disappointments? Like, what is it? And some of us, we've become really slow to process. Maybe you've said, I just don't have time to think about that right now. And it just makes it home. Or maybe you're like, oh, I just don't have the mental capacity to really think about it. It makes it home. And when we do finally process, we don't process well. We're like the dog sharing its fleas with its friend at the dog park. And we're just like, blah, 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 blah. It's not purge, it's gossip. And you're just dumping your ecosystem on someone else. But we need to be like the baby monkey that goes to the mama monkey because the mama monkey has the right perspective to pick out and help you purge the things that you can't see are there. So I generally like to say when you process, it's healthy to vent up, right? To go to a leader, to a neighborhood group leader, to a friend that's been there, done that well, and has the fruit to show for it. But sometimes, you know, this processing thing, we've kind of just drug it. We've blown it a little out of proportion, okay? Like, I know we go through things, and we need to process it. I am a big fan of that. Do not get me wrong. But if the trash in my house stinks, I don't need to stand in front of my trash can and process if I should take it out. Like, I'm going to call Jake. He's going to come get the trash can, and he's going to take it out for me because that's what he does. He feeds and cleans the fish, and he takes out the trash. This is what Ephesians 4.31 tells us to do. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, 
clamor, slander, be put away from you, which I think slander has become a little tricky with IG because we have really learned how to mask our slander, but we know the spirit that we are putting it out there in. So let the Holy Spirit check you there, my friends. Along with all malice, now that's just a fancy word to say the intention or desire for evil. Put it away. If you are holding on to any of those things, you don't need to process it. If you smell it, it doesn't smell good, get rid of it. When you wake up in the morning, put it away. Why? So that we can be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving, as God in Christ forgave you. See, diligence keeps us conditioned to reflect the righteousness, to reflect the holiness. If I am not daily being diligent in my prayer time to find the pebbles in my shoes, the little irritations, they become frustrations, and soon they become judgment calls towards other people. And generally, it's those uh, negative judgment calls that makes our waiting season so Oh, gosh darn painful. Come on, we need to purge. We need to get rid of the old. Don't be, uh, don't be a sloth. Don't hold on to those old things. Put on your new self. Diligence says I take ownership. I take the authority to get rid of it. Amen? Okay, final point coming at you. I'm going to ask the band to come join me up here. Diligence and where we look and what we put on. Finally, we need to be diligent in what we cling to or what we hold. And for this illustration, I want to bring us to 1 Kings 11. 1 Kings 11 is the unfortunate ending of King Solomon. Now, we started this series talking about him stepping into his rulership and how he asked God for wisdom. And he was, a, and because he asked for wisdom, God blessed him beyond any measure or capacity. Like, he was a blessed man. But in his final days, I want to show you what happened to him. Because we read here, it says that Solomon loved many foreign women. And that was a no-no. God uh, instructed him to not marry foreign women. And listen, this is what he says. It says, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And then it says, Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines. I really hope that their love language was not quality time. <laughs> and his wives turned away his heart. Women, take note of the power we have in our relationships. May we steward it well. When Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. And it goes on to tell us that he begins to build altars to these foreign gods. It says he does this for all of his foreign wives. I mean, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of resource that he spent to build altars to these false gods. I can't help but to close this message without touching on the vital importance of looking at every day what we are holding on to. What is our heart clinging to every morning that we wake up? See, Solomon, he was the most wise, the most blessed. He actually built the physical temple for God's presence to dwell in. And then here we see him in his, the last of his days. What is he doing? He's exerting his rule to build idols after false gods. Like, what happened? Solomon clung to these in love. What is your heart clinging to? Is it to that unmet desire? Is it that unfulfilled thing? The last fun fact I'm going to share with you, this is a good one. 
sloths can starve to death on a full stomach. I know. So they cannot regulate their own body temperature. And so if they get too cold, the microbes in their tummy that break down all their food to turn it into energy, they die off. So if he's too cold, he can eat and eat and eat all the leaves he wants, but there's nothing breaking it down. And so he starves with a full stomach. This is the trickery of the weight. Come on, if the weight becomes the idol in our heart, if it's what we're holding to and clinging to instead of God, when you eventually get it, and then you get your fill of the world, we're still left wanting. Solomon had his fill of everything he could ever think or desire, power, money, land, women, he had it all, but he still died poor in spirit. Why? Because he failed to be diligent to guard and protect what his heart clung to. Proverbs 24:30 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. I can't help for this to be a picture of Solomon's heart in his final day, where he had become a poor steward of his heart being kept after God's. And that's what a slothful spirit is. It's a poor steward. It undervalues what it has been given in Christ Jesus. Where a diligent servant uh, preserves and protects what we have acquired through Christ Jesus. You know, David, he is like the poster child of a man after God's own heart. Right? And uh, we see that as he, he reads, um, if you read Psalm 5110, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew in me a right spirit. That word right means steadfast. You could even say diligent, yeah? A diligent spirit. You know what I love about David is that no matter how many oopsies and whoopsies he made along the way, he made sure to keep reattaching his heart after God's. And as a result, that overflow of that affirmation for God was what? To build God a temple, to build God's house. And we know that that honor actually goes on to uh, his son. But I think some of us, where we allow that uh, idol of waiting to take place in our hearts and we cling to it, our, our passion for God begins to dwindle, which means our passion and, and reverence for his bride begins to wane as well. I heard a pastor just recently say that our commitment to Christ is also a commitment to his bride. You can't have one without the other. Like if someone wanted to be my friends, but they couldn't handle hanging out with my kids or my husband, guess what? That friendship isn't going to go very far. It's going to be pretty shallow. And that's how we have to look at how we attach ourselves to God. If you're having a hard time finding that zeal and that passion for this, for the body of Christ, for the house of God, then we need to assess, what is my heart clinging to? Because you don't get Jesus without his bride. And this is where we have to recall the definition of diligence, meaning devoted, painstaking work. Listen, if I let my house just sit there, it's going to dull and decay. But if I put some work into it, if I replaster the walls, if I put new carpet in, 
in, I appreciate the value of the house. When we allow ourselves to put our hands to the plow and find that reverence for the house of God again and build her up to be the shining light that she is called to be, your life will appreciate and value because you're now doing life out of the context that God set it up in, joined together, one body, many parts. We have to remain diligent. You know, the heartbreaking thing is at the end of Solomon's day, what happens? God tells him, I'm gonna tear this kingdom from you because you've broken this covenant. You've lost the plot. Solomon used all of his power to not bring glory to God in his kingdom, but to litter it with idols, to defile it towards false gods. The hand of the diligent will rule. Let's not be slaves to every desire that comes our way, but let's be diligent to cling our hearts to God. Why don't we stand here right now in this place? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every son and daughter right now in this room, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you are illuminating to them that desire, that moment of waiting. Why don't you just think about that for a moment? What is that thing that you're holding on to? What's that plan that you're anxious to come to fruition? What is that breakthrough that you're desperately hoping God for right now? I want to read this to you. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. You can have the plan, but God is going to establish the steps to get there if we can remain diligent to see them. Thank you, Jesus. You've been listening to the C3 Los Angeles podcast. If you found today's message helpful, we encourage you to share it with a friend and consider rating it. If you'd like more information about our church or details on how to get connected to a neighborhood group, head to c3losangeles.com. We love you. Thanks for tuning in with us.